All right. Esther, Lesson 7, Chapter 5. So, uh, we're going to all turn there and we're going to go ahead and read the chapter. In fact, I'm going to back up just a little bit to give us the context we need to go. Because Esther's plan uh, was starting to, uh, was out, outlined basically in chapter 4 and verse 15. And I mentioned last week that Esther starts taking charge here of the situation. Always before it's been Mordecai, but you know, he had trained her for such a time as this. And so she starts to take charge. Uh, Esther chapter 4 and verse 15 says, Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast you for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. So that's the background to where we're going to start here in chapter 5. Verse 1 says, Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house, over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house, over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther, and what is thy request? It shall be given thee to the half of the kingdom. And Esther answered, If it seemed good unto the king... Now, stop for just a minute. She continues to be humble. If it seemed good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day into the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Cause Haman to make haste, that he may do as Esther hath said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. Verse 6, And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition? Second time, right? And it shall be granted in thee, and what is thy request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then answered Esther and said, My petition and my request is... If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king hath said. We're going to go back and look at this, but again, now we're, now we're two banquets into this thing now, okay? What is going on here? Verse 9, And then went Haman forth that day, the first day, joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself. And when he came home, he sent and called for his friends and Zeresh, his wife. So he refrained himself. That was pretty good, but he's probably thinking, he'll get his day because it's already set up. He's got all the way to the end of the year and he's going to be axed, right? So, yeah, he could probably do that. Verse 11. And Haman came home and he told them the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children 
And all the things, well, let me back up. He called for his friends and Jerish his wife. So he's got his friends and his wife and Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him and how he advanced him above all the princes and servants of the king. And Haman said, moreover, yea, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared but myself. And tomorrow... I am invited into her also with the king. Yet all this availeth me nothing so long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. <laughs> and it's like, you know, how, how do we relate to that? It would be like coming home, honey, I had the best day at work. I was promoted and I'm such and such. And you know, on the way home, I stopped a quick trip and I bought a lottery ticket. And I won. And I won. I'm a multi-million dollar winner. And I came home. And the kids didn't come out and greet me. I mean, really? I mean, it'd be, it'd be something like that. Or it'd be like the dog didn't come up. And, or, or yeah, I, I got home and I saw the cat next door, you know, crapped on my kitchen, on, on the front door, on the step. Really? That's what you're going to focus on when all this happened? That's Haman. Yeah. That happened to you, Roger? Sure. Okay, you're laughing. I thought maybe you had. <laughs> okay. Then said Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends unto him, Let a gallows be made of fifty cubits high, and tomorrow speak thou unto the king, that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou merrily with the king unto the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. Well, right off the bat, it's like, how sick is this? I mean, this is a nasty group of people. Hey, you got a problem? Just, you know, get rid of them. You know, have some, have, have, you know, hang the dude, have some gallows made, and tomorrow have, talk to the king, have the guy hung, and then go to your banquet and be happy. Yeah. <laughs> right. There were two banquets. Yeah, there's two banquets in here. Okay, so let's go back and look at this thing. So, number one, Esther, I, I titled this Esther's, you know, that's going to start with a P, right? Because everything starts with a P at the beginning of the chapters for me. Esther's plan is put into action. Now, we saw it kind of kick in place at the end of chapter 4. But so she had prepared for how many days? Three. Three days. Three goes in your blank. Okay? Because chapter 4 and 15 says, Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer, Go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. Okay, so they are fasting and praying for three days. And the answer I get when I'm reading this, why three? Tribulation, or the, the Trinity, I mean. Maybe, but I'm thinking, uh, hold, put a mark here in Esther, and then let's go over to uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Philippians 3.10. And then there will be a reference here for the three days. I gotta find Philippians. Okay. Yep, help me out here. All right. I would say something, but I, I gotta stop ad-libbing. First, uh, chapter three and verse ten says that, this is Paul speaking, that I may know him and the power 
of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made comfortable, conformable unto His death. So there is something to do with the three days that Christ was in on, in the ground, but He rose on that third day. And so uh, there is power in that resurrection. Okay, So they had prepared for three days. Okay, So you're in Philippians. Look at chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, again, this is probably one of our D1 verses, if I remember right. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Well, um, you know, a lot of times we pray when there's bad situations in our life. Everything's good. We don't pray as much. But man, when the, when, uh, the rubber meets the road, you, you know, you need to be praying. So, I mean, the rubber was meeting the road here with this circumstance because it was a matter of life and death. To, to the Jewish people. So, uh, pray fast for three days. And she says, she says, not just, not just food, but basically food and water. Did you catch that? And so let me ask you a question. How long can you go? I know you go for a long time without food. How long can you go without water? That's it? No, they were still pulling people out of the earthquake rubble. But but on average, on average, I looked it up too. So on average, it says, and here's the answer: about three days. I just thought it was funny. Google it. You know, look in the dictionary. You know, find ask somebody that's smart. How long can you go without drinking fluids? And and what I found out was about three days. So I thought that interesting. That I don't know. I just looked up how long can you survive and the answer I got was about three days. Okay. So that's interesting. So Esther goes and, and the group goes without food for three days, without water for three days. And so she's ready to come in and see the king. And so she goes without a summons from the king. And it could be your next blank is fatal. Okay. So not only could the three days with water be fatal, so could going before the king without being summoned to him. And so I'm sure she's thinking, remember Vashti. Mm-hmm. Remember Vashti. She she disrespected the king and she's out. That's why I'm here. And so uh, this could be seen as an act of disobedience. So she doesn't have to just worry about the king. She's got to worry about all his men. Because they're going to be sitting there going, okay, she's here, you didn't summon her, uh, this is an act of disobedience, just kind of like they did with Vashti. So she's got to kind of, she's probably worrying about that in her background. And then it says back in Esther that she puts on her royal apparel. I was talking to this with Carrie this morning. I said, do you suppose she came with curlers in her hair? And she goes, nobody wears curl, curl, puts curlers in their hair anymore. Well, do you think she went to the king with with her hair kind of frizzled, you know, just like getting up out of... No, she put on her royal apparel and got put everything on, decked herself out because she wanted to look good, right? Because um, she wants everything to go smooth. Yes, she's being respectful for the king. So we see the king's response. So let's look at it. And it was so, verse 2. When the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court. So let's stop right there. So the king sees Esther. 
Now, what do you think he saw when he saw her? I know that's kind of a trick question. But uh, what do you think he saw when he saw her standing there? Beauty. Okay. But did it go more than that? Okay, how do you spell queen? Okay, I was right. Um, what else did he see? Babe. <laughs> Saw the babe. Okay. How do you spell hottie, Roger? Is that two T's or one? Okay. Um, anything else? Probably all he saw. As soon as he saw her, I hope he saw more than that. I mean, again, not just with his eyes. What what is he what is he thinking in his brain? I love her. Maybe respect. Here's what I think he saw. He saw a woman of character. Yeah. I don't think he saw some airhead. He saw a lady that had it all together. That. She was beautiful. She was the queen. She was a hottie. But I think he... Now, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking he says, here is a woman of character. Because I think that's shown out in Esther's life. Well, I think probably all the women that they looked for that were beautiful, you know, but it's, you know, I think it's her character that, that they saw. That, that's how they found a favor in her. Okay. No. That, I mean, I'm just thinking that. All of her preparation showed how much she respected and honored the king. Okay. Mm-hmm. He saw someone reverencing her or respecting him. I think it's, I think it's all those guys. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you guys did a good job. And so she finds favor, Esther finds favor from the king. And the king, what's he do next in the story? Verse, he holds out his golden scepter and she comes and notice what she does. So Esther drew near, verse 2, and touched the top of the scepter. And again, God wastes no space in his book. So what do you think that's in there? Um, what did that show? Well, number one, I think it showed that she... that that he responded to her. Um, and I think she's probably trying to show that he's the one in authority. Yeah, her respect for him. She had respect back for him. And she acknowledged, I think, the fact that he held out the scepter to him. And I think she's been reverencing to him. That's what I'm seeing out of this. And so while he's there, the king asks Esther what her, I think your blank is there, request was. Now, this request, let me go back and read this. It says, uh, verse 3, Then the king said unto her, What will thou, Queen Esther? That's how I talk. Don't you guys talk like that? No. What wilt thou? Sounds like a Shakespeare play here, you know. Uh, um, what is thy request? If it shall be given unto thee to half of the kingdom. In other words, whatever you ask, all the way up into half of the kingdom. It's yours. Well, you know what you call that? I had to look this up. Let me see if I got that. That is called... It's a big word. 
a hyperbole. Now, can you explain to the class what a hyperbole is? Well, that's kind of what it is. It's an exaggeration. Exaggeration. To be not to be used literally. So when he said, you know, I'll give whatever you want as a half the kingdom, it's not quite what he had in mind. It would be like me saying this. Mark, I'm going to invite you over for dinner. And when you come over for dinner, when you get there, you just tell me what you want and we'll cook it up for you. So you come over to my house and you go, well, Bob, let's start off with a T-bone steak, baked potato, salad, nice chocolate cake for the first course. Second course, I'd like to have a pork chop. I'd like to have, you know, a mashed potatoes and gravy. I'm getting hungry. Uh, and then, you know, a uh, blackberry cobbler. And then for third, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute. You get one course, dude. That's it. <laughs> so it'd be like, I told him he could have anything he wanted, but when I, when he gets here, I'm like, within reason. Okay. So that's kind of what the king's doing here. When he says, I'm going to give it to you to have the kingdom, it was really just for show for everybody else there. In other words, he says, I want to give you what you want. So it's an exaggeration. It's an exaggeration. Okay. You can come over, but I don't think we'll have all those stuff. He'd probably say, I want steak, I'll fix you some hamburger, but. <laughs> We're having hamburger. That's like Carrie goes, she tells her mom and dad, and they go, well, what, what, what would you like for, for your birthday dinner? We'll fix it for you. She goes, you know, and this, this is a true story, so I hope this, hope you don't mind me saying this. So she goes, I'd love to have fried chicken for my birthday dinner. When's the last time you had fried chicken? Never. I don't think they ever gave her fried chicken. So she'd get there and they'd have, well, we, we bought, we got a rotisserie chicken, or we have baked chicken, or we have lasagna, or, <laughs> she goes, they never give me what I want for my birthday dinner. You know, Sherelle asked for that for her birthday dinner in the first part of the month. Yeah. And I said, really? She said, yeah, I haven't had it for a long time. So we did her birthday on a Saturday. So that I had time to fry the chicken. Ah, that's where you were that one day. Yeah. Okay, frying chicken. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, back to where we're at. So, um, so it's a hyperbole. It's an exaggeration not to be used literally. And yet we see the same thing again in the Bible. We see it back in First Kings chapter uh, two, thirteen through twenty-five, when King Solomon, uh, when his mother comes to see him, Bathsheba, when he just became the king, and he says, "Hey, whatever you want." I'm going to give it to you. And she goes, hey, uh, your brother wants uh, Abishag to be his wife. Would you allow that? And, of course, he didn't do it. Go back and read the story. He's kind of like, you know what? If I do that, it's like telling him I'm going to give him the kingdom. And he's not the king. I'm the king. He tried to take the king, but I'm the rightful king. So if you read the story, he ends up killing him because of that. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't just the fact that he wanted Abishag. It was... Uh, it was it was basically telling or showing that he wanted authority over 
over Solomon. And Solomon didn't let that happen. But in that story, he told his mom whatever she asked, he'd give it, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a hyperbole. I, uh, that was in First Kings chapter 2, 13 through 25. So he says, whatever you want. So Esther gives her request, number two on your handout. Esther gives her request to the king. Now let's look at this um, and see what she says. Um, let's see if I'm in the right passage I want to do. Let's go back and look. If it's, let's look at verse 4. And, and Esther answered, If it seem good unto the king, again, being very uh, humble, let the king and Haman come this day into the banquet that I have prepared for him. And the king said, Cause Haman to make haste, and he may, may do as Esther hath said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet Esther had prepared. So, remember what everybody had been praying for, for Esther? What had everybody been praying for? Back up to the begin at the end of the chapter, uh, the previous chapter, verse fifteen. What what did she ask people to pray for? That she finds favor. Okay. And not to be killed right off the bat. What else? What do you think the people were praying for? Okay. They were fasting and praying for three days. What were they praying for? Grace. Okay. Okay, let's get specific. Really, what did they want to happen? Deliverance. Deliverance, Deliverance from the decree, right? Okay, so favor with the king for Esther not to be killed, to have grace and mercy from deliverance from the decree. Anything else? I mean, let's just let's just go let's go all out here. Let's just do like Esther. You know, Esther went all out when she. I mean, she she just went all in. I mean, while we're praying to God, you know, sometimes we're not specific enough. It's like telling God, hey, God, tomorrow at work, I'm expecting some conflicts. Just, just bless me. No, be specific. And I'll give you, I'll give you a thing that God taught me one time. And it's, it's kind of, kind of a silly little illustration, but I'll give it to you. I, I used to like to deer hunt all the time and I, I was a pretty good deer hunter, but my brother just seemed to never get a deer. So one day, one morning, I just prayed and I said, Lord, would you just please run some deer by my brother today? Well, at the end of the day, I wasn't even probably even the end of the day, mid-morning or whatever, I, uh, my brother comes in. I go, hey, how'd it go today? He goes, it was awesome. He goes, I saw so many big deer. I've never seen so many deer before. I go, really? I said, did you get one? He goes, no. He said, they came running by me so fast, I didn't get a shot. <laughs> I mean, true story. I'm sitting there thinking. <laughs> I know. He said there were some dogs chasing these deers. And he goes, there must have been 12 of them. And man, there were two or three huge bucks, but I couldn't get a shot. And I'm like, I got to be more specific. <laughs> so, 
I'm saying here, what what else would you want to be specific? They got a problem with a dude. Who is it? Haman. Hey, God, won't you just take care of that dude? I mean, I would. You know, I, I don't know if I'd kill him, but I'm like, take him out of the way. I mean, I don't know what all they're praying for, but I I think they should be. They've got an enemy, so they've been praying and fasting for three days. It's like, they let Esther live. Hey, how about this? Give Esther the words to say. You know, she doesn't want to get to the king and be all tongue-tied, you know. Uh, Give her the words to say. um, soften the king's heart. And oh yeah, by the way, could you just take care of that nasty Haman while you're at it, God? I mean, just, you know, get rid of him. I don't know, but that's what I'm thinking they're praying for. And when they get there, uh, on your handout, it says, if it seems good unto the king, let the king and Haman come to a banquet that I have prepared. And then at this banquet later that day, the king asked Esther, what is your petition for the second time? And Esther requests that the king and Haman come to another banquet on the following day, and she and she would give the king her request. And I got on the bottom of your handout, huh? You've been praying for all this stuff, and Esther is inviting them to a banquet. And you're like, what is going on here? And so that's that's something I have to think about. What in the world is going on? Why does she keep inviting them to a banquet and doesn't tell them her request? And what is a banquet? So I had to do a little digging into that. This particular banquet was just like a wine tasting. Yeah, the first one was a wine banquet. It's a wine banquet. It's it's like okay, you had you had you had your meal, but let's come over and uh, have some little wine testing here, okay? So why does she continue to keep kicking the can down the road? She's scared. She doesn't have the right opportunity. She doesn't feel right. Um, You know, those full three days wasn't a prayer, wasn't completely in because she goes in on the third day she still had another 12 hours of people praying for her. So maybe she wanted to wait another day. Queen, she's being very gracious to this man who she's about to reveal as somebody that wants her dead. That's true. She is. Right. Or, so you have all these things I'm thinking in the back of my mind. Why Why wait? And then I'm thinking maybe this is all planned. She has this all planned out. I don't know if she does. I don't know if she's thinking on the fly. I... I I kind of think she's listening to somebody else besides herself. I don't think she has this all planned out. I don't think she's planning it out like, I'm going to try to get the king jealous because I keep inviting Haman all the time. I don't know. So, on the next page over, I have under uh, point number three, Esther allows the Lord to work His will through the situation. I believe she's following what the Holy Spirit is telling her. She had no idea all the events that would take place in the story with Haman and the king. Because at the end of the chapter here, you know, Haman goes home and he sees Mordecai and he gets the gallows prepared. She had no idea that's taking place or going to take place. I believe she's letting the Lord work through the situation. You know, that's, that's, that's a fault I have. Maybe you guys are like that. You pray for something, and the next thing you just get up and you do whatever you're praying about. 
Well, wait a minute. I, you just ask the Lord, hey, what do I do about this or bring about the situation? And you don't let it work out. Mm-hmm. You she take, <clears throat> and she does. She, she, um, she, what was I going to say? She, um, she found grace in the king, with the mm-hmm. king. Right. <clears throat> and, and he's, you know, she's alive. Right. Found grace. And, she, and she's about to reveal that this man, this guest, that's, that's having cocktails with us, um, that I've been showing grace to as your queen and entertaining, he wants me dead. And if that doesn't stir the king's heart, you know, I don't know what else would. Because, you know, somebody comes in your house and accepts your hospitality and want, and then your wife says, oh, by the way, he's plotting to kill me. Well, he wants to kill all of them. Yeah. The Jews, yeah. all the Jews right. too. But her so specifically. Right. Because she's got the same yeah. heart. Right. Yeah. Okay. There's no doubt Esther was probably a very smart woman. She'd been praying and fasting for three days for, for what God would have her to do. But I believe at this, and I, again, I don't know if she had all the banquets lined up. Good. I mean, it's one of those questions you can ask her when you get to heaven. Or is she allowing the Holy Spirit or God to deal with her in that circumstance? And then she goes, you know what, I'm through this point. I need to do this. Perhaps also is the next day, he's going to have to come by Mordecai again. When he comes in, is he going to get all... Right, because again, she had no idea that Mordecai, that that Haman was going to set the gallows up. I mean, she couldn't have known that. So, right, but yet she did not know that would happen that day. Maybe again, all these things we don't know. So, number one, I believe she's she's being obedient to the king, but she's also being obedient to God and allowing him to work in the circumstances. Again, we don't see the name God anywhere in the book, but if you look behind the scenes, he's orchestrating all this. And so Esther allows the Lord to work his will through the situation, verses 9 through 14, and the Lord uses the time allotted to set up Haman for the kill. Kill goes in your blank. I was going to say slaughter. Okay. And so... I mean, this just gets, this story just gets better and better. I mean, it's like, no, this is, you know. Haman leaves the first banquet thinking he's the man. He's on cloud nine. And he gathers his friends and his wife to brag on himself. Hmm. He's a prideful man. And what, uh, uh, let's go over here. What, what does the Bible say about pride? Pride does what? Okay, hold on to that. Turn over to Proverbs 16 and verse 18. It's not quite right, but you're close. Proverbs 16, is that what I said? 18. And this is where that statement comes from. Because the statement that we all know in the back of our head is, pride cometh before a fall, but that's not... Exactly correct. Verse 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so the Bible talks about, you know, if you're prideful and you have pride, you're going to fall. Okay? And so, uh, turn over to Proverbs chapter 6. 
these are some things that God hates. And so, uh, chapter 6 and verse 16 says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Now, when God says that, we need to pay attention to it, right? What does God hate? Yea, seven are abomination to him. First off, verse 17. Everybody there? A proud look. God hates that. A lying tongue. God hates that. Hands that said, that shed innocent blood. Boy, we're just almost describing Haman to it, to a T here, aren't we? And a heart that devices the wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift to run into mischief, mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. I think Haman fit every one of those. And the Bible says in Job 41-34 that Satan is the king over all the children of pride. So where's that come from? Their daddy. Because he, he was prideful. You know, he was going to take, take God on and take him down and take over his position. So, uh, God hates pride. Okay? So, Haman gathers his friends and his wife to brag on himself, but Haman cannot stop thinking about Mordecai disrespecting him. So, who is it that gives him the idea to hang Mordecai? His wife. His wife! Boy, with a wife like that, I'm telling you. Uh, yeah. So, Haman's wife gives him a plan to kill Mordecai. Now, there's another... Now, that's that's about as nasty as you can get. Now, you're kind of realizing why why uh, God wanted Saul to kill all, all, all of the uh, Agites or, let's see, what was their tribe before that? The Amalekites, I believe. And they didn't do it, and it came back and bit them. But it kind of sounds like another... Who's the nastiest woman in the Bible? Jezebel. Jezebel. Does that sound like Jezebel? Did she have anybody killed? She had Naboth killed. Naboth? Remember, she, she, the king goes to her and he basically says, he's kind of down. He goes, well, I tried to buy Naboth's vineyard because it's, uh, land because it's right next to, to the palace here and, but he won't sell it to me. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. And she's like, hey, are you a mouse or are you the king? I'll take care of that for you. I mean, I'll do it for you if you're not man enough. And so she gets some guys to lie about Naboth and all that, and she ends up having him killed and takes his land and throws the deed in, in, in uh, the king's fate, uh, Ahab, and says, okay, there you go. I got it for you. She's a nasty woman just like this lady, okay? And not only that, the whole family is. What's that? <laughs> okay. Oh, and, and one of the biblical movies I watched support your local gunfighter in that movie. He's got one of the guys in jail. You'll have to watch that movie next. Have you seen that one? Okay. I gave her a biblical movie to watch last week. You watched it, right? Uh, Western movie. But in this movie, the guy, James, James Gardner has, has, uh, Kern. What's his name? Uh, what's his first name? Something Kern, the actor. He's got him locked up. And the guy's sitting there and he goes, Sheriff, he goes, you just wait till you meet my dad. And James Gardner goes, I'm looking forward to meeting your whole family, son. I have them all right in here. <laughs> kind of reminds me of this. The whole family is bad and rotten, you know. Uh, so that's who Haman was. So let's stop and think a little bit and we'll wrap stuff up. Did Esther have both of these banquets in her plan? 
all along, or was she just following the Holy Spirit on the, on the go? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, have you ever had times in your life when you were going to do something, it's like something was just holding you back, saying it's not the time. Yes. Maybe that was Esther. Yeah. I don't know. First, when it says that when she came to um, the king, it says that the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. So she had already so prepared, she one. prepared one. But I'm not sure about the second one. Okay. So she had already prepared one. So we can go that far. But, but yeah, why did she continue on to the next day? And, and here's my guess, and it's just a guess. It has something to do with fulfilling prophecy somewhere. There's something about two banquets. There's something about the next day. Go home and figure that out and come and tell me next. That's your homework. Because if you can figure it out, you're way smarter than me. I don't know. But, you know, there's always questions that pop up. But maybe we shouldn't focus on that. Uh, why two banquets? Why three and four days? Because it says on the third day and then the banquet would be the next day. So that doesn't line up with some things either. And I should have taken better notes and put them in my Bible and I'd have them. Remember, I made a big deal about that a couple weeks ago. But this story just keeps getting better and better. And, and again, God is behind the scenes because he's not going to allow the Jews to be exterminated because of his promises. And God has given us promises too. So we got to hang on to God's promises. And even if the situation looks bad, God's going to pull us through whatever it is according to what he needs done. And so here we see the... See the, the I, I'm still trying to think of this question or this, this when Esther goes in to see the king. I don't know if anybody had been praying for her was there. But when she says, I want you to come to a banquet... <laughs> If I'd have been standing there and I'd been one of the persons that was praying for him, I'd have probably passed out by that, about that time. I'm like, what is going on here? But guess what? God is still in control. He was behind the scenes and he knows their heart and he knows our heart. And we pray and ask for things specifically, which we should do specifically. He's, we should still allow him to work in that prayer. And I'm telling you, that's hard to do because most of the time we just want to ram our agenda through. And sometimes God has a different agenda. So we got to allow the Holy Spirit to work through that prayer on our behalf, if that makes sense. We have to be patient and wait upon the Lord. And we don't, want to, we don't want to wait, do we? We want it now, you know. We want it now. You know, I know a guy that went to McDonald's and he wanted his food now. You know anybody like that, Rex? So he went inside and God taught him a lesson. <laughs> Can you? I'm sorry. Uh, if you want to know, come talk to me afterwards. I'll tell you that story. <laughs> That's the thing. I know all this stuff, and I'll I'll try to fit it in. But I'm like in my life, same way. I've tried to push things through a certain way, and it won't work. It won't work. It won't work. And finally, you sit back and you go, "There must be a reason why it isn't going." So I'm just going to stop and let God deal with it. And I can name several times I've done that. And guess what? Mm-hmm. Then it works. I, I know two or three times when I'm like, God, I give up. I've tried this. I've tried it. I've tried it. And it's not working. And I don't understand why it doesn't work. Because it's a good thing to do. And yet, God comes through and answers the way He wants it, which is best all around. Or maybe He just wants me to come back and pray more. So... And it doesn't always have to be 
life-changing situations. It can just be some simple little thing in your life. I remember once I had went to, uh, uh, on a mission trip, came back, had all these pictures. That's back when you used to take them and put them on film. So I had taken the film up to some place to have them done, and they lost them. And I'm just brokenhearted, and I'm like, oh, Lord, please, please, have them find these. Have them find this, you know, this whatever. And, and I said, because actually some of these some of these pictures I promised to other people, you know, I'm throwing this out to God, you know. Uh, actually, I promised some of these pictures to some other people. So, I mean, come on, come through here. And, you know what, 20 minutes later I get a phone call, hey, we found those. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, But, I mean, just time after time I've seen God do things that, that I've tried to push or I expected and, and, and I either had to wait on God or go back and pray through it some more and then God will answer it. So we'll go from there. So God's either going to answer your prayers, yes, no, or maybe. Sometimes the timing, not quite right. So just, just keep praying. And if it's His will, like, like this prayer here. It's going to go through. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the story in Esther. We thank you for uh, this lady that had character, that uh, 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 was trained up by by her cousin Mordecai, Lord, that had character, Lord, and yet you brought these two people up into the top of the kingdom because they were obedient to you because when the chips were down, they called upon you and did what was right. So we, we thank you for this story, and I pray that when we go through situations in our life, that we would take the same steps that they've done, that number one, to go to you in prayer, and to um, that you work out the situation, Lord, and to act upon that. And so we just pray for that today. Pray that would give us a good week this week, Lord, and uh, give us an opportunity just to tell people and then live our life for you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, on your pictures, God was just waiting for the-